welcome to church. Um, very nice to be here with all of you. Well, if this is your first time here today, a warm welcome to you. Well, we usually begin the time of this service with a time of singing. Because when we sing, the songs that we sing help us to bring to mind the greatness of God and the power of His salvation. But also when we sing together, we are also reminding each other that we are not on this faith journey alone. There are many who have gone before us, witnesses through thousands of generations um, who, have, who have witnessed to this same wonderful salvation. And we also have those who are sitting beside us, singing with us, and they are standing with us as we cling to Jesus Christ, our Lord, our light, and our hope. So join us now, let's stand and let's lift up our hearts to the Lord as we sing.
many things in this world that we do not understand. But the one thing we know, you are God Almighty. You are at work in this world and in our lives. And we know that we can trust in your wisdom and mighty power. You act in holiness and justice. And yet in your mercy, you show your kindness and your love in immeasurable ways. So open our eyes, Lord, to see more of that as we come before you today. Help us come to Jesus, our rock and redeemer.
us faithful till then help us be teachable help us hear from your word and be faithful to coming before you and clinging to you all of our days we give you all the glory in jesus name amen please say hi to someone sitting around you before you take a seat Well, good evening, everybody. Good to see you. Good to be with you. My name is Chin. I'm one of the uh, ministry members here at Subi Church. And one of the things that we do as a church is that we memorize scripture together. So we have been memorizing uh, parts of Psalm for the past few months. So uh, what we're going to do is that we are going to recite our Psalm for October, so Psalm 46. And then I'm going to introduce the new one for November, also from Psalm 46. Uh, but we will talk about it a little bit later. So are we ready for the October one? Yes, brilliant. Let's uh, do that together. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our re refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. That's great. And then the psalmist goes on. And then in verse 7, so hopefully on your seat, you should see a new card in, that talks about Psalm 46, verse 7. talks about God and uh, where he is, is always with us, and he is our fortress. So I'll quickly read that. So Psalm 46, verse 7, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is a great verse to memorize because it reminds us of who God is, and God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is our fortress, that he's always there in, our, uh, <clears throat> in times of trouble. So let's do that together. Psalm 46, verse 7. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Fantastic. So, once again, keep memorizing Scripture together as a family. It is always wonderful to do that, uh, to keep God's Word in our hearts. This is the time of the service as well, where we invite our primary school children. You can uh, go to your Subi Kids classes upstairs. If you're here for the very first time, Feel free to head upstairs, um, introduce yourself to the teachers. If you want to, you can register your children to the class as well, uh, and then you can come back and join us. Now, on your seat, there should be a Connect card that looks something like this. That's, this is something that we encourage everyone to fill out, uh, even if you are, have been here for the past 10, 20 years. 
because this is part of how you get connected to the church and let us know what's been happening in your life and what we can pray for you as well. So in front of you as well, there is a QR code that you can scan that will uh, give you the link to our online connect card. You can fill out the card there. Uh, this is a way that we pray for you, a way we support you. And in case you have questions about baptism or you want to join a small group, or if, if you have questions about the Christian gospel, uh, you can let us know and we will follow up with you throughout the week. So please take the time to fill that out between now and the end of the service. Now, one of the things that we encourage everyone to do as well is to give your offering. This is a way that we recognize God's goodness to us and part of our worship to God that makes really all the gospel ministry done through the church possible. So we have many ministries that run throughout the week that um, really reach out to the community to make uh, Jesus known. And that's all possible because of your giving. We do encourage you to give online if you can to set up a regular giving through your bank. Um, there are instructions uh, that you can follow on the green sheet that you can pick up on a cubby hole. Uh, but we do encourage you to think about it, to pray about it, and, and to do it uh, prayerfully because that is part of our worship to God. Now let me um, tell you a little bit about what's coming up in the life of the church. <clears throat> Next Sunday, we have our AGM, the 13th of November. That's after the second service on Sunday. So that's 12.15, immediately after the second service. Um, and part of what makes AGM fantastic is that we come as God's people and we reflect and we think about God's faithfulness shown to us throughout the year. This year of ministry in Subi Church and the life uh, in our church. There is going to be an update on the senior pastor's search. There is going to be um, the update on the election of elders as well. If you haven't already voted, uh, re-elected the elders, you can do that after the service today. And if you want a copy of the agenda, you can go to our website. Uh, there are links there. You can download a physical, uh, sorry, download a digital copy. Uh, and if you want a physical copy, I think there are a few available or you come to speak to me and I'll be happy to uh, help you through that. On the weekend of 26th and 27th of November, that's Pastor Ben's last weekend with us. So what we are going to do is that we are going to have a fellowship meal after each of those um, services on that weekend, on the 26th and the 27th of November. So come prepared to fellowship, come prepared to join us, to um, have some, enjoy some food as we celebrate, and really we give thanks to God for Pastor Ben and uh, Sherry's faithful service uh, with us for the past 10 years. And we want to keep remembering how good God has been to us through their ministry. So 26th and 27th of November, after each service, there's going to be a fellowship meal. So if you can, please make it a priority to be here uh, that weekend. And then finally, there is an addition to our church family. So we want to say congratulations to Jonathan Chi and Glenna Tan on the birth of their first child, Cassandra Jingxian Chi, I think. That's, I think that's how you pronounce it on the 17th of October. So keep them in prayer. Uh, and if you see them coming to church in the coming weeks, please congratulate them and say hi to them as well. That's all of, uh, the announcement I have. Let me invite the next Ben and Amanda up, I think. Hi, my name's Amanda. I am not usually on stage much, so I do a lot of administration work behind the scenes. 
So tonight, it's going to be me, my iPhone, and Ben. Ben had to twist my arm to get me to do this today, so thanks, Ben. Come on up. Amanda, somebody has to do it. So let me move this for just a moment, because we're going to sit down here. I don't want to um, tower over you. Yeah, you're going to. <sighs> so, Ben, people keep asking me, um, when are you going back to the U.S.? Yeah, that's, uh, I get that as well. And so uh, when we originally agreed to come to Subi Church, I told Joseph Town, I won't come for less than five years, but 10 years will be the, the max as well. And so at the end of this month, it's 10 years. What we're planning on doing, though, is remaining in Perth and calling to a new ministry. And so we will not be moving back to the U.S. Eventually, I think we will, but not immediately. We're going to be beginning a new ministry. So what will you be doing after you finish here? Okay, so my call, if you think about it, my primary calling is a pastor, and, and that calling still exists for me. And for over 35 years, I've pastored in a local church, Subi, for the last 10 years, but uh, two other churches prior to that. That's my calling to ministry. And I still have that same call. That has not been given up. God has not released me from that. And uh, I'm honored to be able to keep that call. So what I'm going to do is work more with local pastors, church leaders, and do a shepherding ministry with them. So it's still a pastoral ministry, but it's one of those pastor to the pastor ministries is what I'm looking to. And we're calling it as you can see on the screen behind you, Sparrow Ministries. So Ben, tell me why this is so important. Why is it so important? Let me just give you a little bit of history, by the way, so if I can mention why we call it Sparrow. So Sparrow, and you'll see that in your card, it's a Latin word, and, and if you're, if you're uh, you know, a, um, a priest, a Roman Catholic priest, you're going to roll the R, but I, I, you're okay with Sparrow. So the image is there, and it means I hope. And so it continues to get our hope on Christ and on the, on the glory of the gospel. And just that, that God would help us as we strive to serve him. So why is it so important? Let me give you a little bit of uh, history, because I did bring a couple of quotes. So uh, John Christostrom, and he's from the 4th century. But this is what uh, Thomas uh, Odin says as he relates to Christostrom's interest. He says, he argued that pastors need more help and care than the average person, that's most of you out there, due to the heavy demands and extraordinary expectations associated with the pastoral office. Let me just explain what I think he means by that. Is that as pastors, we are there in times of crisis, and that's what our calling is. And sometimes it's a relationship crisis, sometimes it's life, it's death. But we are there, that's our calling to be there for those times. The other thing is we have a responsibility to look after people's souls, and that is a huge responsibility as well. So there's that spiritual responsibility, and then we have this responsibility to hold in our hands the word and the sacrament, and that is a huge, again, responsibility from the Lord. And so those people who do that need more care than the average person because of those burdens, and I think also the the satanic attacks that will come across pastors and try to discourage them and, and get them to be burnt out or whatever it is. And that's the, the need. That's a historic need. Now, I want to give you one more uh, historic uh, 
reference because I'm going to talk about Sparrow, what it does in just a moment. But uh, Gilbert Burnett, I believe an Anglican uh, bishop, said this, clergy ought to contrive ways to meet often together to enter into a brotherly correspondence and into the concerns of one another, both in order to their progress and knowledge and for consulting together in their affairs. So in other words, there needs to be some intentional ministry to clergy to get them out of their normal routine so that they can come together and try to serve one another and spur one another on towards love and good deeds, which is that key passage that we're holding on to in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And then I give you a quote in the um, ministry card, the prayer card as well from Luther, is that those that care for the sheep are worthy of all care. In other words, we've got to give specific, defined care to those who are caregivers, because that's what keeps them going. And so what Sparrow is trying to do is be an intentional ministry to, to step into that gap and to try to minister to those who serve the Lord's people, and what I want to do is spur them on towards love and good deeds. Okay, so how is Sparrow going to be spurring ministers on to love and good deeds? Yeah, so we've got, um, what's interesting is in America, this problem is huge in terms of pastoral burnout, discouragement, and so forth. Barna, uh, in his uh, statistics, has pointed out that nearly... 40% of the pastors that they polled last year had said, within this past year, they thought about quitting. That doesn't mean 40% quit. They just thought seriously about quitting. And so you see this huge uh, level of, of ministry, burnout, discouragement, or whatever. And, and there's reasons for that, and, and I don't want to go into those, but they, it's there. And so what we need to do is, as we say, you have to be intentional and step into that and try to say, what can you do to serve that group of people to encourage them. And so one of the things that they found in the U.S., and the Lilly Foundation put $84 million into this to study this and to do some of these routines. And what happens is, is when they're funding the ministries, they go really well, and then the money's withdrawn and the ministry stops. But one of the things they found is that a retreat-based format is very effective because you get people out of their comfort zone, out of their routine, and then you get them to have a time with the Lord and with one another. So we're calling them Sparrow Sabbaths. In other words, Sabbath, you cease what you're doing. And you get connected again with the Lord, and you get inspired and motivated through other people. And so it's a time of refreshment and renewal. So it's the retreat-based format. Also, I'm, I'm hoping to provide some preaching relief to some of the local preachers who would like it. I also want to do a, a networking where we facilitate mentoring. So I won't be the only one, but we'll have a network of mentors that I'll facilitate. And then finally, one of the things I've done, as you know in the past, is we've taken Israel trips. And my desire is to be able to take some of these uh, Sparrow ministries, at least have uh, six or so who will be able to go to Israel for the first time and again, just experience that time, which those who have gone know it's a remarkable time to get reconnected with the Word of God, walk where Jesus walked, but also just get refreshed and renewed in those things of the Lord and just get, uh, in my words, just get fired up about serving Jesus Christ. So that's the whole idea. We're going to be intentional about it. We're going to put together various events and so forth so that it will help them in their ministry. Okay, so how can we support you in this, Ben? 
Uh, oh, how? Okay. Uh, number one is always prayer. And every, everything good starts with prayer. And that's what I, the main thing. I, I'm giving you these cards there. And on the back, we have prayer requests. Those are the initial prayer requests. There's also a way that you can sign up at info, uh, what is it, Sparrow Ministries, info, what is that? Info at sparrowministries.com. Okay, yeah. So, so we are incorporated as a not-for-profit in uh, Australia, and so you can just uh, sign up for the newsletter, and we, as often as we have a newsletter, we'll be happy to send that to you through email. And so that's the, the first and foremost way. Um, and you had mentioned the love offering, and again, I want to emphasize, in these love offerings, I've been a, a local church pastor as I said, for over 35 years, you give your tithes and offerings first and foremost to the church. If there's over and above gifts, I want to emphasize, if you want to give towards Sparrow and you believe in what that ministry is doing and that, again, I feel like God is calling me to that and you want to participate in that way, you're welcome to. The main thing I'm asking for is that you pray for us because uh, what we found is this, and whenever I've told people this in Australia, uh, they're all uh, Christian leaders. They will say, that is a really important ministry. And then they'll say, is anybody else doing it? And right now, I don't know of anybody else doing it in WA. But they'll all say, well, that's really important. I wish you well and so forth. So uh, you've got to be able to step into that and then be able to gather people who believe in what you're doing and wish to support you financially because there will be not just my cost, but costs to run the ministry. And so that's, uh, that's what we're humbly asking for, if the Lord so leads. But as I've always said, you give first to the church. This is your home, and this is where you give first. Okay, thanks, Ben. Yeah, thanks. Um, can I pray for, uh, just uh, have that time of prayer? Thanks. Father, I just thank you again for this church family who has loved and supported me and Sherry this past 10 years, and as I now begin this last month of ministry at Subi Church, I thank you for the calling that you have put on my heart, and I sense and pray that it is indeed from you. And Lord, I do pray that for Sparrow Ministries, it would have this ministry of multiplication what would impact Christian leaders who would impact their own congregations, and that many would be blessed and refreshed because of Sparrow. And so, Lord, I do thank you for those who have come already together to pray for the ministry and to support the ministry. And so, Lord, I just want to be a good steward of what you have called me to be. And, Lord, while this is in many ways a pioneer effort in WA, I pray that you would bless it beyond even what I'm asking or thinking right now. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. And thanks, Amanda. Good evening, church. This week's Bible um, reading is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 to 14. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, 
love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord of, or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Thank you, Jennifer. You realize that's the last letter the Apostle Paul writes. The great apostle will put down his pen when he finishes 2 Timothy. And so we have this final word from him, and he's telling Timothy, a younger pastor, this is how you pastor, this is how you minister. And you, you hear this, and you recognize that Paul is saying, well, this is why I'm suffering. And he is in prison even as he writes for the sake of Christ. And yet he's going to write to spur Timothy on towards love and good deeds. And so in this final month that I have with you to be able to share with you, I just want to spend one message on 2 Timothy, and specifically one verse, chapter 2, verse 8. And we're going to focus on that. And then we're going to be looking at some psalms and, and just finish up with uh, this beautiful psalm from, uh, from David of Psalm 23 at the end of the month. So that's the plan. What I want to do before uh, we have a time of prayer, I do want to call your attention to the card that's on your table. And again, it's not because I want you to see my picture, but the reason why we give you this card is we do want you to pray and when you see it, when you look at it, please don't just pray for me and for Sherry, but pray for the pastors who are in Australia that they would guard the good deposit that God has given them. That was Paul's charge to Timothy. It's his charge to me and to every pastor that preaches the gospel. That's what we need to do. Uh, the other thing I want to point out is uh, you'll have this is just for Suey Church, this card is that we do have a Holy Land tour planned for next year. I mentioned that one of the things I want to do with Sparrow is to be able to take younger ministers, but we'll also involve uh, anyone else who would like to go. And again, the numbers are always going to be limited. We keep it to one bus, but we have redone the tour that we're going to do in 2020. So we had a great tour planned in 2020. We were going to leave in April. And March, we were shut down in 2020. Some of you may remember that distant memory. We'd established that tour, and now we've got that reestablished. And so we have the dates, we have the bookings, and so if we get sufficient numbers, we will go on the tour. And those who are signed up for 2020, by the way, there will be, I've talked with Julie at Shekinah, and she will give an incentive to those who 
had previously had their tour canceled. So that's there, and if you want information, go again to our website at info at sparrowministries.com. And in two weeks, we'll have just a brief after the service, just a chat to show you exactly what we're going to be doing, where we're going to be staying, and hopefully we'll have some costing on it. Right now, we have the reservations up. So I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to what God has for us in the future. And I want to talk about 2 Timothy right now. But before I do, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, we want to exalt your name right now. We want to recognize how much you love us, that you gave yourself for us, you laid down your life for sinners like us. And when we recognize that we were not worthy or deserving, we come in humility before the cross of Christ. And we bring our burdens and we bring our sins those thoughts, words, actions that do not honor you. And Lord, we ask for grace. We ask for forgiveness. And we thank you that your grace is sufficient right now. Lord, for these dear people, you know what's going through their lives the trials, the joys, the concerns. I pray that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, would guard their hearts and minds. Father, we have interceded on behalf of this world again and again, and we would keep interceding. We pray for peace in Ukraine. We pray for government leaders and those in authority for wisdom, We pray that we would be faithful to support, to encourage godliness, peace, and Father, the gospel of Jesus Christ in this world. So we thank you for our missionaries that we have sent out who are faithfully serving you on the field right now. Father, we also want to thank you for your word, and I, in particular, want to thank you for the Apostle Paul and his commitment, his encouragement, his inspiration to me and so many others who simply read his words and see his heart. And I pray that you would be glorified as we open your word right now. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, I ask you to indulge me occasionally on certain things. So this is a Texas thing, okay? So Texas is the Alamo state. And, and I'm going to give you just a picture of the, the modern Alamo. But uh, the deal that made the, the Alamo famous was on March 6, 1836. There was 12 days of siege. General Santa Ana has sieged the Alamo. Now, there are 182 men there who are there to fight, and they are fighting for the liberty of Texas. And how many of them die? 182. All of them give their lives. Everybody dies in the Alamo, except there's you know, a couple of women and children. They survive. But the fact is, all the men die. They all are killed. And yet, 
About six weeks after that, there's another battlefield, and Sam Houston is the general, and it's called San Jacinto. And on that battlefield, this time the Texans are going to win. And their battle cry is what? What is it? You know it. Remember the Alamo. In other words, remember the sacrifice. Remember the dedication. Remember the devotion. Remember they gave their lives for us. Therefore, we will fight with fierceness and determination. So the battle lasts all of a half hour, and the Texans capture or kill every combatant, every one of them. Remember the Alamo. It inspires, it gives Texans identity. And again, if you're a native Texan, as, as I am, you want to remember the Alamo. Now, let's, let's come back to Australia, because we do something similar. So the 25th of April, what is that? Anzac Day. What does that commemorate? What happened on the 25th of April, 1915? The Anzacs land in Gallipoli. Great victory, right? No, it was a massacre. The Anzacs are mowed down. These young men, who are all volunteers, they are just mowed down. They are devoted. They sacrifice their lives. And the spirit of the Anzacs is that devotion, that commitment, even when it looks to be certain death, because they saw the ones that went over the wall before them. So what do we do? Each year, we commemorate Anzac Day. So here's at King's Park, and as you know, we'll see thousands and thousands come out at dawn on a public holiday, but at dawn they will come out to remember the Anzacs, and so we remember Gallipoli, the sacrifice, the devotion. As a nation, it gives us focus. Now, what is the battle cry for Christians? It's very simple. Remember Jesus Christ. That's it. Those three words. And so the Apostle Paul is going to inspire Timothy, this young pastor who is timid, we know, young, timid, and yet he's going to inspire him in 2 Timothy with these words, remember Jesus Christ. And for Timothy, it's not as if he doesn't know the name. It's not as if he's never you know, heard of Jesus or he's going to have a tendency to forget the name. That's not the point, right? Paul is pointing to something much deeper, much more spiritual, much more devoted and passionate. You remember who Jesus is and you remember what he did. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I want to begin reading. In verse 10, I'm sorry, uh, verse 1. The Apostle Paul is going to speak again to Timothy. And I'm going to ask you to stand and take to heart the words of the Apostle Paul as we see them on the screen. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. 
Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. And then we come to verse 6. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. And here's the phrase. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I'm suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. What he's going to do is give him that battle cry and even gives that image of a soldier, the hardworking farmer. That's our discipline. We preach Christ Jesus. You may be seated. What I want to do is get you to think about how this should inspire you as a follower of Jesus Christ, how it should inspire us as a church. And so it begins with this phrase, Remember Jesus Christ. So you know that Christ is not his surname. That's a title. It's the anointed one. It's the Messiah. So here's the first point. Remember Jesus Christ, the Messiah. In other words, Christ, the anointed one. Christ, Messiah. Remember him. Now, let me go back to Matthew chapter 16, because I want to go back to where we hear a very clear statement of identification of who Jesus is. So in Matthew chapter 16, we're in Caesarea Philippi, and I'm going to look at verses uh, 13 and 14. And we read this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And so... Let's go to Caesarea Philippi. I've got a, a picture of the, what they depicted it would be looking like in that day. So you see these temples and so forth. You see these uh, crevices in the walls as well, and they can be seen in modern day still. The temples are not there, but you still see the crevices, and you see that big, um, that's a, a waterway. There's a water that comes out of there, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, but that big gap in the wall is often perceived as that entrance into hell itself. Now, let me talk about that for just a moment, because in all of these cracks and all of these crevices, these uh, things that they designed, there would be idols, there would be gods that you could worship, and there was a pantheon of gods. So you would go to Caesarea Philippi, and you just pick your demon that you want to worship. That's what you do. Which demon do I want to worship today? Or you can worship them all, because they're all there. You just worship this one, and then you can worship this one, and then you can worship this one. They're all there. So it's a supermarket of God's little G. God's little G. It's a supermarket. There's a bunch of them. And in that context, Jesus is going to say, now who do people say I am? And notice there's a bunch of options, aren't there? Well, some are going to say John the Baptist. Others are going to say Elijah. Others were going to say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. I mean, there's a lot of different choices. People have a lot of different things as they look at you and think of who you are, Jesus. 
And then we see how Jesus follows up with that because that's who people say he is. And there's a variety of answers, just like there's a variety of gods in Caesarea Philippi. But he asks this question, verse 15. But what about you? He asks, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, and of course, Simon Peter always will speak up first. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You are the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the son of the living God. You get it? Connect the passages. Remember Jesus Christ, Messiah. And this is how he's identified. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now what I want you to do is uh, think back and think, how do people refer to Jesus today? How do they think of him? Well, again, there's a supermarket of ideas going out there. Well, he's a tragic hero, a moral teacher, an inspiration, a godly man, a prophet, whatever you want to say. But then we need to come down to the question Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? Yeah, in the world around us, people say a lot of nice things about Jesus, and they'll describe in a lot of different ways, but who do you say that I am? Peter correctly identifies Jesus, right? That's not even flesh and blood that, that told him that. That comes from the Spirit of God recognizing Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus' declaration is this. You've identified me correctly. And by the way, Peter, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. If we can go back to that, um, that modern-day picture of Caesarea Philippi, now I want to talk about the gates of Hades. So that, that gap is still there. And that would often perceive, that was a, a central temple there of worship. It was often perceived as the gateway to hell itself. And as a gateway, gates in the ancient world, those were the place of greatest strength. Any city, if they were a walled city, they would have to have a gate and that would be the most vulnerable point, so it had to be the most protected. The strongest uh, defense of the city would be at the gate. And so when Jesus say, in the gates of hell, he could be pointing right at that place, right at that place, and say, the gates of hell, the strength of hell itself, will not overcome what I am going to do. Well, what's he going to do? I, Jesus will build my church. So one of the things we've got to recognize, if Jesus is going to build his church, he's going to build his church. Now, here's the beauty. Of, we get to participate in that. We get the joy of participating in that. But he is not dependent upon me because he's going to build his church. He said he would. He's not dependent upon you, but we get to be used by God to build the church of Jesus Christ. What an amazing privilege. But Jesus said, I will build my church. When you hear that, that ought to inspire confidence for this church and every church that preaches the gospel because we know Jesus will build his church. He said he would. And then what does he say after that? And the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. No power of darkness. The strength 
of every demonic army itself will not prevail against what Jesus Christ is going to do. Remember Jesus Christ. You got it. You remember Jesus Christ, and he will build his church. It's a call to action. We don't just sit back and say, well, Jesus, we'll sit back and just watch. Because you see, what we read from Paul to Timothy is, you need to guard the gospel. You need to pass on to faithful people what you have learned and heard from me. You are part of this, Timothy. But Jesus will build his church. I'll guarantee you, he will build his church. And nothing will stop it. I want to be on that team. I'm just telling you. I want to be on that team. I want to worship that Lord, not the pantheon of gods at their accessory of Philippi. I want to worship that one as Lord and King. Remember Jesus Christ, Messiah. Here's the second point. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Again, in verse 8, you'll notice this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. Now, raised from the dead. Why is that in there? Why do, why, we no, don't need to ignore dead. And by the way, we believe in a resurrected Lord, but there's no resurrection without a death, right? Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that's sufficient to say. In 1 Timothy 2.2, Paul says this to the Corinthian church, when I was among you, I was determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And sometimes we'll say, well, Paul, what about the resurrection? He's going to write about that later in chapter 15, but what about the resurrection? What do you mean you didn't know anything but Jesus Christ and him crucified? And here's what you and I need to know. The crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus are theologically one event. Chronologically, it's separated. Friday, he dies on Good Friday. He is resurrected on the first day of the week. Chronologically, there's a separation, but theologically, it's one event. So when I preach Jesus Christ crucified, he doesn't stay in the grave. He's always raised from the dead. And so when we proclaim the resurrection, we are not denying the cross of Christ. It's theologically one event. Here's what the cross does, the cross and the resurrection. They become central to our identity. The central symbol of Christianity is and always will be the cross. We look to the cross of Jesus Christ. That is the central symbol of our faith. It's what's on this church and it's what's on any follower of Christ. We recognize the cross of Christ. That's our key symbol. The key day, of course, is the first day of the week, Resurrection Day. Let me just talk uh, briefly about a gentleman that really helped me. I met him once, but, but that's not the big deal. The big deal is that he discipled me through a book that he wrote. So this is John Stott. And he wrote this book called The Cross of Christ. And I remember very early on when I became a pastor, I, I received this book, it's brand new, hot off the presses, and I just started reading it and devouring it and recognizing the centrality of the cross of Christ and what it means to me and what it means to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we have to preach Christ crucified, but he is that resurrected Lord. 
So what it does first, it gives us that key identity. And our identity is to remember Jesus Christ, the cross of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. One of the interesting books I've read recently was a book by Eugene Peterson called The Pastor. And he talks about a time in his life when he, he was um, having a ministry to an artistic community. And, and what he said is, all of these people, they were bartenders, they were waiter, waitresses, they were cleaners or whatever. That's what they would do to make a living. But if you ask them who they are, they would say, I'm an artist. I'm an artist. In their very core of their being, they are an artist. And that what they do on this side job, that's what they do to feed themselves. But who they are, they are an artist. Now, what I want you to think about us when we remember Jesus Christ. We can have many occupations and jobs or whatever, but who we are in the core of our being, we are followers of Jesus Christ. We are Christians. Now, I get it in Australia. The popular thing to do right now is to tick that box that says no religion. That's, that shows super coolness, I suppose. But I will only tick the box that says follower of Jesus Christ, Christian. That's all I want to be known as. It's my identity. The other thing that this does is this. It inspires us to persevere. So I'm going to go to the resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. The apostle Paul says this as he finishes his great chapter on the resurrection. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Why is it not in vain? Why is it not in vain? Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why is it not in vain? Because God is with us. But what's going on with the Apostle Paul? Does that mean whenever we claim Christ that we have this amazing victory every time we hold on to Christ and hold on to the gospel? It's interesting if you look back at verse 9. He says at the end of verse 8, This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. So he knows he's in prison. He knows he's in chains. Why? Well, I guess he wasn't cool enough for the Romans. He didn't tick the right box. Because if he would have said, no, we'll just have Christianity and they're all the same. You know, all religions are about the same, so don't worry about it. But he preaches Jesus Christ and him crucified alone as the way, the truth, and the life. And as a result, he ends up chained for the gospel's sake. That's the point. He could have gotten out of there if he just would have softened the message. But he's going to point to Jesus Christ. And this is not going to be popular in our world. Let's face it. Because if you want to be accepted, you do not want to say to somebody, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And yet, Jesus is the one who told me that. And Jesus is the one we follow. So we proclaim this gospel. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the hope of the world. This is why Paul's in chains. Just get it. He's in chains for preaching that. 
And so he says to Timothy, here's what you need to do. Here's our battle cry. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. For pastors, for congregations, labor is not in vain. And so we have this sense of confidence because Jesus will build his church. And we have this sense of confidence because our labor in the Lord is not in vain. I get it as a church, we're in a time of transition. I'm fully aware of that. But our labor is not in vain because we remember Jesus Christ. Here's the third point. Remember Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. Now here's where I'm going to come with at that. So we've got this thought. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. And, and as I was studying this, uh, this week, again, just meditating on this one verse, you have this interesting concept in verse 8. Raised from the dead, so again, from the ground, raised up, but coming down from David, so descended from David. So what's going on there? He's part of that messianic line. He's the fulfillment of the Davidic promise. He is the ultimate Davidic king. That's who he is. And he is that human incarnation. He is God. He is God in human flesh. But another idea that comes from, uh, descended from David is this. David was that shepherd king. We all know that. And he shepherded God's people Israel. And the greatest tragedy of his life was when he stopped being the shepherd king. When he took Bathsheba, instead of loving the sheep and caring for the sheep and leading the sheep, he stole her, and that becomes the greatest downfall of his life. But David is going to remind us of being that shepherd king. One of the things that we recognize and what Timothy needs to recognize is this. When you remember Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, it's our call as pastors, as elders, to be shepherds of God's flock. That's a clear New Testament teaching. It defines our style of leadership. Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, lays down his life for his sheep. And then he says, my sheep know my voice. They follow me. We are not deceived. We have one Lord, one Savior, one hope. We hear his voice, and we follow him. We do not forget him. We remember Jesus Christ. I want to talk about shepherding a little bit. Now, let me give you a picture of a modern-day shepherd, Middle Eastern shepherd. So obviously, you see the shepherd. The shepherds wear in relationship to the sheep. Shepherd leads the sheep. That's what shepherds do. They lead. They out front. They lead. There's a story about a guy who was there in the Middle East, and they saw, he saw this, this guy, and he was driving the sheep. And, and he walks up to him, and he says, you know, I understood that shepherds always lead the sheep from the front, but you're driving the sheep. Why is that? And the man says, well, that's just it. I'm not the shepherd. I'm the butcher. Butchers may drive whatever. But shepherds lead. That's the point. They always lead. And they do it in a shepherding, sacrificial way. That's how they do it. When there's love for the chief shepherd, there's a love for his flock. 
And that's the reality. So what we see in verse 10, look at this once again. Therefore, Paul says, if there's love for this chief shepherd, there's love for Jesus Christ, there will be love for the flock. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. Who is that? That's those people that God has chosen in Christ Jesus in Ephesians before the beginning of time. He chose me. He chose you if you're in Christ Jesus. And Paul says, I'm going to do everything for those people because he loves the flock. That they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. In other words, I'm going to proclaim boldly the gospel because there are people out there when they hear the gospel, the spirit of God is going to work in their hearts and lives and they will believe. I promise you there's people out there today until the Lord comes. When we share the gospel, they won't all believe, but there will be some. And we preach it faithfully. And we preach Christ Jesus. And they will come to faith. Let me just talk with you as we think about how to pray. Because I think 2 Timothy is an amazing prayer guide to churches. I think for pastors, it's a book we've got to be in again and again and again. But for a congregation, it's a book that we need to use as a prayer guide for our church and for our pastors. What do I mean by that? So what I'm going to ask you to do by way of application is this week, read 2 Timothy. Now, if you look at it, it's not that big. It's just a few pages in my Bible. There's four chapters. You've got the whole week to read it. But I want you to read it in a, a prayerful way. How do I pray for my church? How do I pray for my pastors? And let me give you just certain things that I'm going to point out as being prayer guides that are, you know, just jump out at me. So Paul says to Timothy, first, guard the gospel in chapter 1, verse 14. That's your job, pastor. You guard the gospel. You protect that. It cannot be one of the uh, pantheon of gods that are going on at Caesarea Philippi. There's one Lord, one hope, one gospel. You guard that. Second, make disciples. You teach reliable people. Who will teach others? But that's how we do it. We make disciples. We must be a disciple-making church. We make disciples in our children's ministry, in our youth ministry, young adults, small groups. We make disciples. That's what we must do. Third, pastor, you need to be a worker correctly handling the word of truth. Why? Because this is God's word. And you've got to handle it correctly. One of the things that we've emphasized at this church, we are encouraging uh, some of our, our younger believers to get theological training so they, they might serve the Lord, but that theological training is there for them to correctly handle the word of truth. Fourth, chapter four, preach the word in and out of season. It doesn't matter whether it's popular or not. The season doesn't matter. You preach the word. And then finally, how do we pray for our pastors? How do we pray for our church? Pray the battle cry. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember his sacrifice for us. Remember his amazing love for us. But you keep in front of your eyesight, those eyes of faith, Jesus Christ. 
You remember him. You do not forget him. And I'm not thinking you're going to forget his name. I'm saying he is your motivation. He is your identity. He is your focus. He is your passion. Remember Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Father, we do thank you for this amazing passage. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your amazing love and devotion to us. Jesus, the good shepherd. And we are your followers, the sheep of your pasture. And we love you. And we will hear your voice. And we will follow. And Lord, you promised to build your church and we will be a part of that. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And for that, we look to you and we praise you. In Christ's name, amen. So we're going to come to a time of the Lord's Supper. And as you know, the the Lord himself puts it this way. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying, as often as you eat or drink, you proclaim my death until he comes. And so what we recognize is that We are proclaiming, yes, the cross of Christ, but also the resurrection of Christ. Remember Jesus Christ right now. This is the sacrament. This is sacred for us as followers of Jesus. So we invite anybody who has put their faith and hope and trust in Christ alone to this table. We make the invitation, but actually it's the Lord's table, so he makes the invitation. If you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, you've not put your hope in Christ, you know you're always welcome in this church. You're always welcome. But what we'd ask is you not partake of the Lord's Supper because this is sacred to us. This represents the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we as followers of Jesus Christ are remembering him in a sacred service. And so we simply ask you to respect that. But if you are indeed his Sheep, his follower, his children. Take, eat in remembrance. Take it. It's for you. Christ died for sinners like us. Confess your sins and receive grace. Pray with me. Father, this time we just want to remember Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Messiah. Crucified raised from the dead, the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus, we worship you. In Christ's name, amen. As we've been doing, we'll have those in the first five, ten rows go ahead and stand and go to the sides. If you're on the side, to the center, if you're in the center. And once you receive the uh, bread and the cup, just let me ask you to hold it, and then we'll partake together. But go ahead and stand, those, and uh, the assistants will help you.
I'm going to read the words of Jesus. John 10, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hands. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father. Earlier in John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus takes the bread and he gives it to his followers. This is his body, taken in remembrance. He takes the cup and tells us, this is the new covenant, the promises of God through Christ's blood, taken in remembrance. Pray with me. Jesus, when we partake of these elements, we long to see you, to be with you forever. We proclaim your love, your goodness, your grace, your forgiveness, your mercy. And we will not forget you. In Christ's name, amen. Please stand and sing this last song with us.
thank you for the praise team for leading us, reminding us of the glory of Christ. As we go, uh, I'm going to ask that you continue to pray for this church. And so I also want you to take this card, not because you're going to forget what I look like, but as you pray for the new ministry, also use it as a tool to say, who's going to be the next senior pastor here? And pray for them and pray 2 Timothy for them. Pray that book. It's an amazing letter. Paul's last letter to the church and to us and to Timothy. So use it. Um, if you have a prayer request, you have a, a need, Pastor Chen's in front. He's happy to pray with you. And what I want you to do is live for Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ this week. So at, for the Texans, it's remember the Alamo. For the Australians, it's remember the Anzacs. It's remember Gallipoli. But for Christians, it's remember Jesus Christ. Always. Pray with me. Father, as we go, please bless us. Help us to glorify Jesus Christ in our lives, our thoughts, our speech, everything we do. Lord, may you be glorified. In Christ's name, amen. Lord bless you. Go in peace.